this week we'll talk about being a data generalist and we'll discuss going from bioinformatics to freelancing. And we have a special guest today, Katya. As a freelancer, Katya is helping companies bridge the gap between business and data by building actionable analytics and coaching the teams. Before, she got a lot of uh, broad experience in startups, entrepreneurship and scale-ups. Katya was head of analytics at Gitti, a beauty brand. She tried to find to start her own fintech business with Interview First, and she worked as a data scientist at Zalanda. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for the invitation. It, it was really nice to catch up, actually. Like, I think we know each other for some time. So I'm really happy to be here. And uh, I tried to invite you multiple times. So finally, <laughs> we managed to do this. So before we start uh, with our main topic of being a data generalist, let's start with your background. Can you tell us about your career journey so far? Yes, and let me start from a bit very beginning to and the jump of what is happening right now. So I started, as Alex mentioned, as a bioinformatician, so bachelor master's degree in bioinformatics, worked in different research institutes across Europe, Manchester University, Charité here in Berlin, and also Center for Genomic Regulation in Barcelona. And after um, having my master's degree, I realized that I was not motivated that much by the research. And that's where I switched directly to a startup and was a first data hire there. I was hired as a data analyst. I ended up doing a lot of data engineering part, which I loved, but I didn't enjoy it that much, maybe. And then I switched to Zalando, also was there in Zalando, then in Zalando Payments. And in Zalando Payments was building the real-time machine learning systems fraud prediction and payment scoring. So basically, when you shop on Zalando and you are getting this invoice as a payment method, that's exactly my team who built the algorithm behind to enable you to buy with this, with this payment method. So it was super heavy engineer team, lots of PhD people, like really, and lots of uh, young people, so really ambitious, really nice. And that's where like all my engineering background comes from. And then... After two years there, I was a bit of stuck as regarding learnings. And that's where a very good friend of mine said, like, hey, why don't you start something? And that's where I went to Entrepreneur First. You can imagine it as a startup accelerator um, founded in London. They have kind of those programs across the globe. And there, basically, it's pre-team, pre-idea. So you go there as an individual. You need to identify yourself as a CEO or a CTO. And then it's kind of speed dating, speed co-founding. <laughs> you try to find... So I'm more on the CTO side, right, technical person. So I was trying to find a CEO match. And there basically you work with one person for you match, you work for three days. And then normally after three days, you realize that either it goes good or doesn't because at the end of the day, startup fails because of the mismatch on founders. And after that, so within that program, I tried to found a fintech company, but I went really in a... In a very weird segment, I went into compliance. So it's like, it's the most unsexy thing and the most regulated thing ever. What is that, compliance? So basically, it's um, KYC, know your customer, know your business. So basically, when people, when you need to do checks, uh, legal checks on the person as who you are as a person. Like, have you ever had bankruptcy? Are you associated with the money laundry? Do you have a company that maybe was associated with the money laundry? So all those kind of checks that, for instance, you also need to do when you open a bank account and then you do this post-ident thing. So we went into B2B know your business compliance part, which after that I realized it was interesting and we tried to copycat an American startup, but it didn't work here for you. And then Corona happened and I was really exhausted after it was almost six months of entrepreneur first. And I was really, seriously, I was not ready to fund the company. Like, you know, like everybody around were funding the company. And I was like, okay, let me jump on that wave. But like internally and mentally and emotionally, I was not prepared. Like I would wake up two weeks in a row with a headache. So that is like already a sign that something was not going good. And then I joined Delivery Hero FinTech department. And again, like, was the first data scientist there, tried to build also, well, basically what we did at Salando, um, the whole machine learning for fraud prediction. Um, I love the people, but I didn't feel that was for me. So I left and that's where I joined Giti, direct to consumer brand. 
selling nail polishers. Within my journey there, we went into the cosmetics uh, segment. And also right now they launched, I think several months ago, skincare. So it's a beauty brand. And there basically I built the whole BI and team from scratch and help on the fundraising. And then on the 1st of September, I left Kitty to, to start freelancing. Yeah, that's quite a journey. What do you do as a freelancer? How did you yes. even, like, uh, maybe before you start telling what you do now, it's also interesting to know, like, how did you decide what you want to do as a freelancer? Okay. I think I asked just my question, what is the next step for me? And then what happened? I had a Bumble date. I went on this Bumble date. Uh, we didn't match personally, but then the guy was like, hey, I will invite you to a founder's dinner. I went to a founder's dinner. They were like only founders, like I think 10 people. And then one guy would arrive super late. We would not chat with him. But then what I did after, I just added all of those people who were there on LinkedIn. And this one guy, exactly who arrived super late, he wrote me, hey, Katya, we want to hire you. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be hired. I want to do freelancing. What about it? And then in three days, he sends me a freelancing contract. And I'm still at Gitty with five days a week. And he sends me a freelancing contract for one day a week. So I'm like, what do I do now? So I go to <laughs> Gitty. <laughs> I don't know how I manage, but I managed to convince them to give me four days a week contract. I start freelancing for the company. And, and now it's also interesting because on today, this company, um, Kittle, they announced the Series A fundraising of 11 millions. And that was what I was hired for back then, like to help them with the fundraising, building the data deck. And um, so that's how it started. And then after a month, I was like, so it's a SaaS company. So it's a completely different business model what I'm used to at Gitty because Gitty is like, well, typical e-commerce. But then I was like, after a month of freelance for them, I was like, that looks really good. Like, I really enjoy that. And then I tried to, some friends reached out. I was like, okay, let me help you. And then I decided just to leave Gitty and see like, what kind of clients I even didn't know what kind of clients I should attract. So I was like, okay, let's just leave and figure this out. Oh, that's quite optimistic. So you <laughs> left and how did you actually figure this out? What kind of services yeah. companies need? Was it just ad hoc meetings in Bumble or? <laughs> no, then I switched to Tinder. <laughs> I mean, it's not that right. It was still a calculated risk because I had this one client at the end of the day or even like one long-term client and one more kind of short-term client. So it was not that like I decided today I leave and then I left. No, it was more like calculated risk that I still have income, at least something that would allow me to start. So I left and then I was sitting September and October on my couch. And then I was like, I don't have clients. I don't have income. I'm like, and then I was tapping into my savings and I was like, and I started panicking. And of course, like, what I didn't do, I didn't announce anybody that I was freelancing. So how should anybody know about that? So you quit, but nobody knew that you are a uh, freelancer. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I didn't announce it on LinkedIn. I, I didn't tell anybody. I mean, like some people knew. So I had connections, but it was not enough to pay the bills at the end of the day. So, and that was a hard realization because I was like, whoa, if I can't do money now, I need to go back to work for someone. And then like, uh, that really hit me. And so what I decided to do is to announce that I'm freelancing right now, but not like, hey, I'm a data freelancer and like I'm here, like uh, pay me, but rather to do a series of a LinkedIn posts. I think that were eight LinkedIn posts. I saw one of them and then I thought, okay, like we actually, I wanted to invite you for a long time. So let me do this. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. that helps to get noticed, right? Exactly. Especially with selfies. Like if you post a selfie, like it's crazy how many like people immediately recognize you, you know? And then like if they associate your face with the topic, it's even much easier at the end of the day. So exactly. I created those eight posts addressing direct-to-consumer brands um, on how to structure their KPIs, when to look at this how to come up like with the easy KPIs and not like with the super complicated ones. And of course, with the, with selfie on it. So, and then I was posting it for two weeks, I think. And then I got two clients out of that. How did you feel about posting selfies? 
what was so hard that was so weird and like also doing like selfies and then i mean i do have instagram but i have closed instagram and it's different thing but like on linkedin it's like professional things and then i was like it's so uncomfortable but that's the thing you know like you need to do what you need to do and then you just do it and then the funny part like first and second post i was like oh my god this is so awful but then i didn't care anymore because like i just got so many likes so many shares as well and people were also like writing me hey you're doing great job you know like so i was like okay then let's do more selfies (laughs) all right i still don't know if i'll ever post a selfie (laughs) in linkedin (laughs) because it's so awkward (laughs) i know but that's you know like i i was like ah whatever just let's see mm-hmm. how it works out mm-hmm. and then exactly i got two clients there mm-hmm. okay and the clients in the segment that you wanted right so these uh, direct to consumer brands who needed help structuring their kpis right that's funny enough so one not one is kind of a marketplace um, it's kind of uh, similar to direct to consumer brand but marketplace and another one it was like a very german company mittelstand somewhere not far from munich and what they wanted and that's like so crazy because i get so many different like my profile is so broad i can do so much stuff that it's also hard for me to understand like what pain point i'm exactly solving so that company wanted they have lots of data different kind of data and they wanted to make a project with me how to monetize this data so that i would go and figure out if we can sell this data to the government or to the job centers or to whatever you know like so it's not working with the data it's rather trying to find the revenue streams for the data that they have so it's completely different it's not direct to consumer brand it's completely different things and that's like so funny i have like three kind of different part clients like one clients are like they want to have this full experience of having head of analytics who would negotiate with the vendors who will sign the con well not sign the contract but like make sure that the contracts are written properly and like owning everything end to end so it's like internal data team basically other clients they really want help only with the fundraising third clients they want me to coach their data team and the business team because sometimes it happens that they don't chat with each other and for another type of a client is that they hire me to automate some stuff that like it's just hard for them to do in google sheets and then i just like have like those small technical projects so you know like four different kind of ways or like packages that i can offer and that's why it's hard to communicate what exactly i'm offering (laughs) but you still manage to get clients then i guess it works yeah exactly exactly it's like more for all those linkedin posts like when you do something like that you really need to understand who are you targeting and then adjust that the messaging for them because if it's too broad people don't feel they are addressed and you're still targeting the same audience the same people right direct to consumer brands and i try because that's where the, most of my knowledge comes from basically yeah but uh, from what you said about your knowledge and your background, you did pretty much everything when it comes to data. Like maybe you didn't exactly. do envelopes or at least you didn't tell us about that. But like every single data role that is out there, you did this. So you did uh, data analyst and then as a data analyst, you needed to do data engineering. Then you did data science at Zalanda. Then like you worked at Giti as a head of BI, right? Or somebody who is setting yeah. up uh, the BI team. I don't know, you didn't work maybe as a ML engineer, but apart from that, or maybe you did exactly. actually do some stuff there too. So it's like everything. And uh, yeah, also in addition to that, you tried a startup. And yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. It seems like you enjoy doing different things, but does it help you in your career, knowing so many things, being interested in so many areas? Yes, so that's this whole generalistic part, right? So I never wanted to be specialist in anything. I never wanted to optimize, you know, to figure out how many layers I want to have in my deep learning model. I'm like, oh, not excited about that. You see immediately on my face, I'm like, but like what I really getting excited about, like connecting the dots between all those 
specialized people and the business as well, right? Because like I did data engineering. I did a bit of MLOps as well, by the way. I did a bit of marketing analytics. I did BI. I did tracking. I hate tracking. <laughs> this whole Google Analytics, but I also did that, right? So like, and then I can challenge all of those parts and know like the best practices there. Can I do it myself? Some of the stuff, yes. Some of the stuff, no. But that's also like, then it also starts to be, I'm not a profile for corporate companies, for instance, like for like Zalando right now, what I enjoy doing and what I collected over the time, I'm not the best fit. Neither for delivery here, I'm not the best fit because they are searching for the very specialized people and I don't want to do that. So like my profile, this whole generalistic approach works better for the startups where I can chat with the business and I can easily explain them the numbers and then I can go to marketing team and figure out their marketing analytics or go to the tech team and speak their language. So I'm like, and that's so funny because I mean, bioinformatics, it's also, it's a bridge between informaticians and biologists because those two don't know how to communicate with each other. And that was, I was like, through all my career, I was always this just person who links someone, but doesn't know anything in depth. <laughs> and uh, do you think it somehow makes your chances uh, of having like a successful career smaller or do you think it's fine? I mean, right. If you're like a generalist sitting in Salando who needs to optimize for deep learning models, you will be internally unhappy by default right and if you're internally unhappy in your job you will not succeed in this job so in order to succeed you need to be happy <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, right. i think it boils down to this like that the more excited you are the more over delivering you are and maybe let me brag let me brag that was like so crazy right now so for one of my clients we're using fivetran fivetran is a data extraction tool so basically it gets the data let's say from shopify and packs it into the data warehouse raw data what i figured out is that they had bug in their code base for how they calculate spans on google ads so what i did is that i just pushed the fix to their code base and it got merged. And that's like, you know, this thing just made me so happy. And the client was like, what? <laughs> like, what? You just improved our vendor code base. I'm like, yes. And that's like, and you know, like, I'm just super happy about this. And like, and that's where like, once you're happy, you're like, you're doing this extra mile and you're enjoying it. And you're enjoying working like till super late. But still it looks like you somewhat have maybe focus right now so right now you focus on uh, at least your post focus on like kpis and this is uh, i guess related to what you said you enjoy doing most which is connecting the thoughts between like uh, different people and engineers so the, that's correct right so you, right now this is your focus yes right now i'm exactly i'm focusing on well connecting the dots between business and data basically helping mm -hmm. business people understand how to steer their business according to what numbers easy numbers or even more complicated numbers and how to transfer those kpis or this logic for kpis in the infrastructure and then what i need there do i need the help from the tech team i can i do it myself how can i do it and like and do this whole kind of implementation or outsource this implementation but like knowing exactly what are the steps there yeah so the focus is right now working together with the founders or business people and translate this everything into the data parts and again i will like for instance data science for me is out of question right now because i'm working again with the like they founders just really need to know what was our revenue yesterday what did we pay for the customers yesterday what were the percentage of returning customers so you know like that are easy stuff But that's what they need to know to understand how to steer the business and how the business is going. So I even like at Giti, we never started with the data science, although I wanted, but just the business was not there. And uh, I see that we have a few questions and some of them are related to the discussion. So a question from Adonis is related to your post. So the question is, looking back, what was the most important thing about the post that helped you get the clients? Really two things, no, three figuring out whom am I addressing so that I would structure the post in a way that 
people who read it will understand immediately I'm addressing them. So like knowing, and they say, you know, like you don't start with like, what is my post? You start, okay, what is the audience? What's the type of voice I'm using it? So am I like professional, flirty, uh, humorous, or am I like super professional, right? So like this kind of style. So this is one thing. Then the second thing, I shared those posts with two of my friends and they brutally had, like they had brutal feedback on that. And then I took it, I improved it, done. So getting feedback on that. And the third one, I think it was one of the hardest to put myself out there with those selfies. That's where internally I was like, I had to struggle myself. So, and that's, and that's where you also realize once you're like, oh, that might be the point when you're getting out of the comfort zone, which is also might be good. And we discussed already who you are addressing. So these are direct to consumer brands who are interested in uh, improving or defining their KPIs. So what about the type of voice and style? Is it flirty, as you said, or is it professional? And how do you decide? Like, do you test this or do you just assume that this one will work better? Or like maybe walk us through the, I don't know, one of the posts, how you did it. So what I realized, I love chatting with people. Like, I'm loud. I love laughing. I love stupid jokes. I love clever jokes. And that's where I what I want, but I can also be serious, professional, and like and clever and like figure out the stuff and help people, right? So and that's what I thought like I want to bring my personality over through the, those posts. So like basically professional, clever, but still with a bit of well, my weird humor. <laughs> and then the self is also kind of reflects a bit this whole journey. So and that's I, I realized like I don't want to fake anything. I would just rather because at the end of the day, clients, they're not paying only for the infrastructure. They are paying for the whole package. The whole package is this energetic person who comes into the room and is always like saying hi to everyone and entertains even the team sometimes. So that's like this energy is what people pay for as well at the end of the day. Do you have any to go stupid jokes that you use for energizing the team? Oh no, it's like, I mean, like, it happens to for ad hoc here, right? It, yeah, it's, and it's like, it's like even not stupid jokes, it's rather like those internal jokes that you get with the teams, you know, like while you sit with them. And then like, you just start to be friends with those people, right? And that's where like, and it's so funny, like with all my clients, with the, all their teams, like I'm in a really good relationship and they are super happy to see me and I'm also super happy to see them. So like you start to have those internal jokes at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to make a connection between the posts that target specific audience and then for different categories, for different type of work you do. Because to me, they don't seem super related. So the posts are like KPI related. But then, is, as you said, your work kind of fall into four different buckets. So full experience of like as a head of analytics, then fundraising, then coaching data and business teams, and then automating stuff. So these are kind of different packages, right? So how did the posts help you get things that don't seem very related? Yeah, because of the reach. Because they Mm -hmm. just, again, figured out, hey, this person knows something. Like what she writes makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let's us just chat with her. Mm -hmm. So it's either this. So people kind of relate. Of course, like fundraising, it's another thing, right? But like... People relate that, okay, she's technical enough that she can automate some stuff and she understands me immediately. Mm. And that's what I meant, like, and that's what I need to figure out still, like, how to transmit the message as what I'm really doing. And at the end of the day, what do I really want doing? Because, like, fundraising, it's super tiresome, right? It's like I had calls at, like, at 11 p.m. and, like, had to work till 3 a.m. because, like, in the morning we had to submit everything to investors. So it's not this day, like, dream job. It's super intense. And it's your, like the day after you, I mean, I was just lying in my bed, like sleeping. So do I want to do this job for the next like three years? Or what is exactly what I'm enjoying the most where I don't burn myself either? And like, first I need to figure out this actually part. And then I need to figure out how to transmit it through the LinkedIn post so that I attract the right audience as well. Mm-hmm. But for you as a generalist, what you like, what you enjoy now might not be the same as what you enjoy tomorrow, right? How, yes. how do you live with this? Yes, exactly. So 
that's a good question, right? And right now I know like fundraising is fun and that's where you get lots of understanding like what investors want. So like how they steer the business or want to steer the business, but it's super intense. Okay, let's put it differently. At the end of the day, what matters are also people with who you work with, right? And that's all my clients are again, like super fun, nice people. And sometimes, of course, there are some parts that I don't enjoy doing, like data warehouse optimizations. I'm like, what? But that still helps. The people help, like this whole atmosphere helps. And that's where I still not sure which direction to go as what I love. Plus, is there a market for that as well, right? Because fundraising, it doesn't happen every day. <laughs> and well, what kind of work exactly do you do for fundraising? So I guess it's somehow still related to KPI. So you need to show the company in a good light. Okay, these are the KPIs and this is how the KPIs look so far and this is how they will look in the future. So you're still kind of connecting business and data for fundraising. Exactly. Exactly. So basically, there are just questions of like cohorts, how active are our cohorts. And then I sit together with the founder, like we define what is actually a cohort, what is actually a retention, how do we calculate it? Then like there are 10 different ways how you can calculate it. And then you decide like, okay, which one do I submit and how do I visualize it as well? And if there are like some kind of weird stuff happening, how do I come, how do I explain it as well so that the investors don't find it weird? So it's exactly like, basically, we sit together with the business, try to figure out how to show, what to show, how to show. And then I just go like and collect the data through different databases, different systems, wrangle something in Python, create the the charts um, in Google Sheets. I started loving Google Sheets. <laughs> yeah. And then it's iteration. And then maybe investors sometimes have other questions. Do you have any examples like of these cohorts and KPIs? Maybe it doesn't have to be coming from a specific client, but just to understand what exactly you do. Yes. Yeah, so for instance, I mean for SaaS, right? The business to consumers. So like not B2B, but B2C. And there you sign up, for instance, um, for the SaaS. And let's just take Facebook. So you sign up and then you can do post you can like you can be just active on the platform so now the question is like those who signed up in april how active are there and that's where you define the activity like what is activity is it like liking is it scrolling is it whatever and how they those who signed up in april how active are they compared to those who signed up in september for instance and if you see that september cohort is really bad you're like okay what happened did our product our product started to be really bad Yes, no. Is it traffic that we are tracking? Marketing is the tracking. Is it bad or good? Yes, no. So like there, then you start to think deeper, like what is about those people that they are just not active on the platform from specific cohorts? Okay. It's about defining uh, first like KPIs, then defining cohorts, then doing some analysis, showing charts, and then if something is off, uh, going there and understanding what's happening. And you do yes. this for fundraising too and then it helps to attract more money right yes i mean like so and that's so funny like half of the stuff that is normally done from fundraising can be also reused in the business steering like to look at them on the monthly level mm -hmm. um some of the stuff we never implemented like we never like it's only for the fundraising but yes yeah, so it's kind of again how business wants to steer and then you just figure out how to see how the business performs, like what are the users doing, why they are doing it. Okay, so we spoke about fundraising to some extent, but uh, I'm curious also about the other three parts, especially this coaching data and business team. So how is it similar? How is it related? What do you do there? Yeah, so this project will be, I'm not doing it right now, so it's one mm -hmm. of the future projects. The problem there is that the company is pretty it's like six, seven years old. So like they do have the data team. They do have business team. However, it's hard for business to be data-driven because nobody coached them to be data-driven. What is data-driven nowadays? So everybody uses this word, but nobody can explain what that is actually at the end of the day or like how to start actually this. So the business team is like super frustrated. They need to be data-driven, but they have no clue how and what. And then the data team is there 
and they need to manage all those requests, ad hoc requests, infrastructure might be already outdated. And then they don't understand just what business needs because they don't have time to understand the business. So those people are not business savvy. And that's the thing. You have engineers or data people who are not business savvy. You have business people who are not data savvy. So like, <laughs> it will not work by default. And that's where I try to help. Well, I will try to help them, the business people to be more data driven or data savvy and data people to be more business savvy so that and once all those two parties go with, uh, towards each other a bit like one step then it's already a success at the end of the day and right it like you can't measure it's also hard for me then to measure the success because what i do i just coach them how to communicate with each other <laughs> like how do you measure the success of my work it takes time, right? It just takes even like several months, actually, when business will know the impact of this coaching. So you kind of act as a translator. So you translate yes. from one language to another, but then yeah. I guess the ultimate goal is to let people be able to talk between each other without yeah. you, right? And then exactly you do this and then you leave and you help somebody else achieve the same. Exactly. And that's like, that's exactly what I was doing also with bioinformatics, like helping those informaticians and biologists actually to make sure that like this whole thing works together. I think we mentioned, so the question I have right now is uh, how does being a generalist help you now? And I think one thing you mentioned is you've done a lot of stuff already. So sometimes you can just go ahead and do this. And even if you don't do this yourself, you kind of have an idea in your mind how you would approach this. Right? So that's one thing I think that can help you in your current role, right? Are there other things that you think also that are also helpful for you right now? Yes. So I also mentioned that like I know best practices. So like that's so funny. Like people know, but and I know best practices, but I don't know. I know what doesn't work for sure. Right. And those mistakes are normally done by young teams over and over. Right. So then you see the patterns and you're like, hey, like, I already know now that in three months we will have struggled with it. So let's not do that. So that was kind of like knowing what doesn't work because I was like in those different roles, like helps me now to prevent, let's call them disasters in the future. Also, I guess. Because, like, I work again, like, it's all about the people's communication, you know, like, you just adjust to how people communicate and then you try to communicate in their language. And that's why, like, with this generalist part, again, I was like, I chatted with so many different, I had to chat with the data engineers, PMs, COs, CTOs, CPOs. And then you need to find the way how to make them what you want them to make <laughs> right and that's like different approaches to different people like you need to know how to motivate every segment of it or every person kind basically and are there any cons of freelancing like are there any cons of being a generalist for freelancing right now yes hard to sell myself like because mm -hmm. people are just asking hey Katya, like what is the difference between you and the data agency and this is also a hard explanation for me to define the real difference there actually because again like people pay also for this energy and how do i tell them hey like you will pay for the nice mood that you will have in the office you know like <laughs> it doesn't work that way uh, too bad right <laughs> yes <laughs> so i think it's like it's hard for me to sell this generalistic thing because there are lots of other agencies or freelancers who have very specialized focus and then people ask me exactly, like, what is the difference between you and them then? Well, what is a data agency? So, like, there are several data agencies in Berlin where they help you build, uh, again, maybe for direct-to-consumer brands, help you build data warehouse, reporting tool on top of it, and, like, dashboards, and also might help a bit with the tracking. So, and that's, like, I'm kind of competing with them, but on the other side... Because I'm not, again, this typical data engineer. I'm more this holistic who will really sit with business first, figure out, and then implement. Mm -hmm. From what you described, what data agencies do, it looks like they already have some packages. So if I know that I need a data warehouse, I go to them and I tell them, hey, 
come over, build me a data warehouse, right? But what if I don't know that I need a data warehouse? Who do I go to? Perhaps you? Oh, yeah, but um, yes, they sell. That, that's the thing, right? That's Everything is about how you sell uh, sell yourself. So data agencies don't sell themselves. It's like, we built your data warehouse. What mm-hmm. they sell, dashboards. And that's what the CEO and CPO mm-hmm. and the founders, like mm-hmm. business-related founders need, right? They're like, what is in the back? And they're like, I don't care. I just want this fancy dashboard that shows me my sales for the last several days. And that's, of mm-hmm. course, the agencies figured out that like the selling point, like the selling audience is actually C-level, CMO, CO, CPOs. If there is a CTO, that means already that they might be a tech team who kind of can handle that. So yes, those people are the selling points. So like, how do I adjust my messaging to those people? And that's the thing again, like adjusting the messaging so that the customers feel addressed at the end of the day. So how do you compete with them? By making selfies, posting selfies on LinkedIn? <laughs> because I yeah. don't think they do this, right? No, <laughs> exactly. I mean, so like what I feel more is that I'm more on the business side. I try to be on the more on the business side. And because I was operationally involved at Gitty, like at steering business with data and also in the fundraising, and that's like experience that those data agencies don't have. Like operationally be involved in businesses helping marketing team they just come build they leave normally of course like sometimes they maintain the infrastructure and like maintain the dashboards but they are not actively involved in the business steering and that's where i get involved immediately okay yeah we have a few more questions so a question from, from claire what are the pros and cons of freelancing according to your experience Yeah, so we discussed it with Alex a bit before, like, don't be confused by this free (laughs) prefix of freelancing. Mm -hmm. You are free as you choose who you work with and when you work. But it doesn't mean that you will go now serve for a week and then can do maybe like three hours of work. Like, this doesn't work because like you need to work on the project that you have right now. But you also need to grow your own freelancing business. So like basically reaching out to new customers or help them somehow so that you get the audience of people who know you. So you need to like make this audience bigger, right? And that that are two things that you need to do in parallel, right? So that's why like there is not so much free time in freelancing at the end of the day. Um the pros is that I for instance, I like work with ambitious people. Like people who just started now recently, well, not recently, but startups, right? That's like very motivated people, fast people, fast thinkers. They want to solve the problem. And so I'm really intrigued by those kind of people. The disadvantage of freelancing is that sometimes one month you will be without the money. And how do you deal with it, right? So that means like if I earn today like 10K, that doesn't mean that I need to spend those 10K today. That means that like those 10K, I need to distribute, like do this whole financial like planning of my life and so that I can buy food. And this hit me exactly like on September, October that like I was just without the clients or without the proper income. And this is a bit scary. Mm. So how do you deal with this stress? By planning things? I mean, so... Yes, like planning, also knowing really exactly how much you spend, not overspend, and see that you don't only work on your projects, but really you grow this audience that will become the leads after, right? So it's like basically projects are short-term optimization, but this growing of the audience is like long-term optimization that you don't know what will come out of this at the end of the day. And that is the instability or the risk that you just take. Mm. And of course, like you should not go freelancing if you don't have any savings. Like mm-hmm. that's hard. That's like mentally, this will be very hard. Mm-hmm. Or at least if you have like already lined up a client for next half a year. Yes, right? exactly. Then it's again fine, right? Because like the hardest part, like, you know, like if you don't have clients, you will figure out, like maybe you can go to the coffee shop and like work there and do the coffee. It's like you will figure it out, but like, the mental health and this mental instability that hits hard. Mm. So what do you do for that? Like, how do you deal with this? I mean, so in September, October, right? Like when I was sitting without the clients, I was like, whoa. And then, you know, like I was immediately thinking, okay, can I sell something on those platforms where 
freelancers do some kind of uh, small stuff for you or like do i need to sign up for the freelancers network like, like what do Kiber, i do right this kind of yes exactly and then i was like this like but this is not what i want to do at the end of the day and then i came up with those posts mm-hmm. you know like so you need to be creative and you will be creative once you realize <laughs> if you don't then you don't have anything to eat right <laughs> exactly but that's the funny part right because like there should be calculated risks like i didn't go freelancing out all of a sudden like i had the customer already where i was like okay with this customer it goes good for several months i feel good they feel good about me right so that's where i felt like okay i can leave my stable job and then like i learned about this myself that i can stretch myself i can like i start to learn about my boundaries about my limitations and also about myself more once i'm like getting out of this comfort zone and that's the thing oh one more thing that's like crazy with the freelancing every new client will challenge you like i feel constantly i'm in the job application process and in the constant job nego- salary negotiation process and then like you come in what i'm used to admit right but i have been working there for two years i had lots of freedom but only because i earned this freedom and with every new client I don't have this freedom. I don't have this trust. So I need to build this trust. And building this trust with every client, it's hard. It takes time. And that's where I was like, whoa, constant salary negotiations, constant job application, constant building trust. Mm. Yeah, it does sound very hard. Do you work more now than compared to previously? Yes. Yes, I do work more. Um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, like, chatting with people do you consider that work or not work right growing this audience networking and yeah okay and that's again that's the question like you as a person are you happy doing that if you're happy doing that if you're enjoying like having three coffee meetings during the day in different parts of the city and you're running around like crazy and you again you need to come to those meetings like as if you're fresh energized <laughs> and you still need to work to do work for other clients right exactly exactly so again okay. like if it makes you happy if like if you have the energy for that and you need to create this energy right energy doesn't come like from nowhere for out of the blue like then it's yes you will enjoy that and it doesn't matter how long you will work at the end of the day but it's also the question like is it working hours or not and that's the mm-hmm. thing like chatting with people i don't see that as working hours but for those hours, currently I'm not paid either. Mm. So how do you create this energy? Where do you get it from? Uh, serious, I don't know. Do you just <laughs> naturally come refreshed to every meeting? I think, no, the thing is that I think before joining Gita, I was pretty kind of, not bad, I can't say depressive, but I was like calmer and maybe sadder as well. And maybe also more irritated by some stuff. And I think, and that's what I love about Git, and that's I also told it to the founder. I was able to see within the Giti that I managed to do lots of things and that I was able to get out of my comfort zone and achieve lots of stuff. So, you know, like, it's like I always felt like there is a problem. Yes, it's a problem, but I will figure out how to do this. And this, like, this belief that you will figure out, it somehow turned back to me as like, I don't need to be sad. I don't need to be depressed about this. Like I will figure this out. And that's like, that was a mind change for me. That's like, that's where I will like now, I'm like I'm super happy with what I'm doing again. Like, right. And this happiness creates the, the energy at the end of the day. So like in some way it's the secret is positive self-talk, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. But that's the thing. Like if you start doubting yourself, that's the most negative energy that you can have. And like, it will not help further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. a bit of motivational talk <laughs> Sarah wrote a comment like passion and desire help and the impact once in many trials is so fulfilling so yeah this exactly. is like a good summary and then yeah so you said that in addition to work work meaning helping clients you need to grow your client base you need to grow your network you need to have leads for the next gigs like after you finish the current job you need to have another one and the question from Wilhelm is, how do you reach out for new clients? How do you grow your client base? So I don't do cold outreaches. Mm-hmm. This is hard. This is annoying. This makes me sad when somebody doesn't answer my message. 
<laughs> so I decided not to go with that. I mean, before I started posting on LinkedIn, what I did, I was invited to a Slack channel of direct-to-consumer brands where founders and operators like talk about where to get the best price for the boxes, for instance, for the packaging. What I did there, there were like 250 people. I stalked all of them on LinkedIn. I was blocked by LinkedIn twice for several, for like days because of this, because I was just like really quickly, you know, like I was, what I needed is that like they would see me that I've checked them. So I didn't care about their profiles even. And then two people reached out to me as well from there. Mm -hmm. So basically this <laughs> stalking helps a bit. It's like a cold outreach, but a little bit different, right? So you kind of, yeah, exactly. you stalk them, you make sure that uh, you have this, um, Like in LinkedIn, there is a setting that you can set that people see that you visit their profile, right? So this is enabled yeah, for yeah. you. So you visit their profile and uh, they see it and then they check your profile, right? And then they decide to talk to you themselves. Yes. I mean, like, again, conversion rate from 250 people to two people is super small. I agree. But it's fine. It worked out, you know, like, and it took me maybe one hour for two possible leads. Fine. Mm -hmm. so this then also you know like if somebody posts on linkedin hey i have this reporting like what is the best reporting tool then i jump immediately on that question mm -hmm. right i'm also in several slack like private slack channels where people are asking questions and then i, I also jump on it i'm like okay well, let me help you like one client right now I, i like potential client well even not a potential client we just chatted with her she needed like her freelancer for Google Analytics is not answering her. And like she has a project she wants to do some, like G moved from GA3 to GA4 and then adjust some stuff. And then I was like, hey, let's have a chat. I want to understand your problem. I can like, I might not be able to do that, but I know people who might be able to do that. And then we just chatted for, you know, like for 20 minutes and she was super thankful that I just reached out and helped her. And it might be, exactly, it might not be that like, that she converts to a lead, like to a customer, but like, She has seen my face. She has seen what I can do. She knows it. She can also maybe uh, suggest me to someone. Mm. Okay. So networking, helping, uh, stalking people on LinkedIn. <laughs> that's your secret. Okay. Yes. And selfies, selfies. Don't selfies, forget selfies. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you work remotely or it's always like within Berlin in office? Yes. So I love, I love being in the office. That's where I also like, and that's where this whole energy is created, right? Like this whole communication with the team. I am not this typical digital nomad who will go to Bali, surf and then work. I'm doing always hundred I'm trying to do always hundred percent. So either hundred percent work or hundred percent vacation. So I'm not this in this like workation part. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still considering if I should stay in Germany and Berlin or should move somewhere else. I still don't, I, I don't know. But like, I feel now that there is a freedom of me and that's where the free comes in. Um, if I'm able to structure my clients in a way that I can work remote for them and I don't need to be in the office, then I can move to wherever I want. And this is also amazing. And that's where this whole free, like all of a sudden advantage of this freelancing comes. Yeah, interesting. And then I noticed that there is one question in the list of questions that we prepared. I don't know if we have enough time, like we only have three minutes, but maybe we can try to cover it quickly. So what would be your advice for people who feel stuck at what they're doing? Don't sit, act, act immediately, you know, like, and again, don't quit today. Like, don't, don't, don't do that, but rather, so let's say you're a machine learning engineer and you're like, I'm a bit stuck at work. What should I do? Reach out to the consultancies and uh, talk to them. Maybe you could join them as a freelancer one day a week. Like just start chatting with people, trying to figure out what people, what others can, or what I did as well. I reached out to a data consultant. So who is of a almost similar background than I, but much more experienced. And he is targeting other um, customer group. And I just like, hey, I want to do this. What would be your advice? You know, like just start chatting with people, trying to figure out, but like take the calculated risks as well. So like, but don't sit on the call on the couch, just really start doing something. So even small things are also fine. Mm -hmm. 
So this is like if you feel stuck and you want to be a freelancer, right? So this is what you do. But in general, talk to people, right? Yeah, but that's the thing, you know, like even if it's like maybe you don't want to do the freelancing, right? But like just start chatting with people who you think are exciting people who you think can help you with an advice or something. And like really people love to help. People will write back. Okay. Is there any book or other resource that you can recommend to the listeners? Yes. So I think two. One is more like kind of, well, general from generalist. <laughs> the power of moments. It is basically, they talk a lot about lots of things. It's like how to do storytelling with very nice examples from all over the world. Um, how to create the moments for the other people that they will remember, like, and how also like create this energy, like how, what does it mean actually to create this energy? Love this book. I just read it recently. So that's the book. And another is more a general book. And then another one is more like kind of about marketing analytics, what I was doing the last two years. And there's this guy in Google. He's like senior director, strategic analytics or something. Avinash. Kaushik blog and newsletters. So that's like just a bomb of knowledge. (laughs) So who is interested in this like marketing analytics part? That's the newsletter. Okay. And I also usually ask what's the best way to reach out to you. I think it's LinkedIn, right? So we'll include um, the link to your profile. And I think that's all we have time for today. That was amazing talking to you. Like you're very energetic now. I feel the energy now. Go and work, (laughs) do something great. So yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing all that. Thanks for telling your story. Yeah, it was amazing. Thanks everyone else for joining us today. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and have a nice day as well. Goodbye. Bye. Bye everyone.